Fire. Our first true piece of technology. 100,000 BC, stone tools. 4,000 BC, the wheel. 9th century AD, gunpowder. 19th century, Eureka, the light bulb. 20th century, the automobile, television, nuclear weapons, spacecraft, internet. The internet is amazing. 21st century, biotech, nanotech, fusion and fission and M-theory. And that was just the first decade. We are now three months into the year of our Lord, 2023. At this moment in our civilization, we can create cybernetic individuals who, in just a few short years, will be completely indistinguishable from us. Which leads to an obvious conclusion. We are the gods now. Welcome to the Technocratic Oath. I'm your host, Aaron Hockett. Welcome back to another episode. Boy, it has been Escalations in the war in Ukraine, in Russia. We've had strike out at Israel. Bitcoin has jumped 10% because the SEC thinks that they're going to file an ETF based on what BlackRock has said. And Jerome Powell <clears throat> is going to speak today at 12 noon Eastern to tell us how he's going to save us. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you had told me that stuff six months ago, I would have I would have laughed in your face. None of that was real, right? But alas, here we are. And so, I want to thank thank you uh, for taking the time to listen to this. And uh, just the madness that we have going on um, throughout the world today. The topic tonight is talking about data center madness. You're probably wondering where in the world is this coming from, right? And one of the one of the things that has happened over the last four or five years is data centers have sprung up like weeds in the ground, right? And and why? Why have they done that, right? You. you and you're right to ask that, right? And it's because more or less data, right, in air quotes, is needing to be stored, right? But then it gets to the question of whose data and what data and why is it being stored? <laughs> you know, I went through an exercise here with my kids, uh, uh, 12 and 10, effectively, are going to be their birthdays here in the next uh, next couple of months. And <clears throat> I have fully unleashed them 
onto YouTube and Google search and all that other fun stuff, right? And you're probably thinking to my, you know, saying to yourself, Aaron, how in the world did you not like give Google and YouTube and all that other stuff to, you know, kids at their age, right? Well, um, because on, on this rabbit trail, um, I understand digital breadcrumbs probably uh, a little too much. Uh, and the idea around the fact that one of the things I've been trying to impress upon my kids is those digital breadcrumbs, right, stay out there for forever. And where do they stay? Well, they stay at data centers, right? All of these companies in which you sign up for free services, Gmail, Outlook, uh, Canva, uh, any of these services, right, that are, you know, freemium as they're called, they're storing data, right? Not only are they storing data about how you use a program, right, but they're also storing personally identifiable information or PII about you, right? And essentially what I'm finding more and more, it's so difficult to understand why is it that we're giving up the data, right, that we own, rent, lease, or otherwise trade on the open market, right? If companies resell that data to third parties, I have some friends that do uh, purchasing and selling of uh, uh, lead generation, for example, that then are all based on your internet browser history and your financial position, uh, which is, you know, that's a topic for another day. But the whole point is companies buy, sell, and trade data, your data, about you, uh, anonymized or non-anonymized based on what the price is, right? <clears throat> and then what do we have? We have all these companies, right, that are then telling us, oh, hey, we care about privacy. Yeah, okay. That's why your lawyers sent out uh, a 64-page end-user license agreement that you have to scroll all the way through at the bottom and click the I agree button to, right? What do you agree to? Well, if you agree to use the internet, you have to give up all your data. If you agree to use an iPhone or an Android phone, you have to give all of your data to Apple and to Google. Uh <laughs> Even worse, if you buy movie tickets online from Fandango, you have to pay a convenience fee for using the internet. Like, I don't understand how uh, Fandango, AMC, Regal, and everyone else has not gotten sued because you have a convenience fee of using the internet in the year 2023. That is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard, right? So one example that came to mind, okay, and this is this is kind of what the cornerstone of, of what led to this was, is there was an article uh, posted, uh, so, I mean, there's been several articles about this, right? You may have heard of this, um, that 23andMe got hacked, right? And what ended up, what ended up happening? Well, the data got dumped. But even worse, if you remember back in the revisionist history of the internet, essentially what was happening was 23andMe uh, came out publicly and said, we're going to sell people's data. 
And you think about that and you're like, okay, so wait a minute. I just signed up for a DNA test that then is taking my saliva, my blood, my, you know, DNA of me as a person, throwing it into a, you know, a centrifuge and then basically determining who my lineage and, and uh, ancestry is, right? Not only that, but they also have insights of things that they probably don't publish, for example, around things that are hereditary, uh, things that may uh, may or may not be um, uh, genetic um, metadata, for example, in terms of whether something is dominant or recessive, uh, if you are more, more susceptible to uh, illnesses or diseases based on what they are legally obligated to tell you based on their end user license agreement based on what their lawyers allow them to tell you based on that hundred dollar DNA test. Right. So you think about that, like just, just that one example, right? So you're getting all of that, that, that data to them. Right. And if that's going to go to government agency, uh, another corporation inside the U S or outside the U S right. What's it telling other people about you? whether you want other people to know about you or not. Uh, and that's where <clears throat> it gets into, you know, very interesting territory because essentially uh, there's not a whole lot uh, you as a consumer, right, uh, can do once the cat's out of the proverbial bag, right? So people are excited, right, find out about their family history, and now they get hacked, right? And now all their data probably, um, you know, uh, is then out on the internet for forever, right? So this this idea around uh, what what's called in the, in the industry as PII or personally identifiable information, right? Uh, there are guidelines around that in various different industries. You may have heard of uh, HIPAA and FERPA, for example, in the healthcare industry. Um, those are standards in which you have to have uh, very strict compliance and audits on in terms of how uh, that data is handled. Uh, and they have different data classifications for this example, saying like bronze, silver, and gold data, right? So for example, bronze data would be an example of you came in for a doctor's visit at this location on this date and time, right? Silver data would be the fact that you came into this doctor's location at this date and time to see this doctor about uh, this symptom. Gold level data would be um, you as this person, this social security number came to this location at this date and time, came in for this uh, symptom to be looked at, and this prescription was written and fulfilled at this pharmacy. That's just an example, right, and hypothetical of what the different data sets look like, right, from the uh, security and compliance industry, right? <clears throat> but now, does 23andMe have any of those compliance? I mean, again, like I'm being facetious, right? They have compliance levels that their, you know, lawyers tell them that they have to have, right? But anyone who has given 23andMe all of this information, right, are now essentially wrecked for the rest of their lives because their personally identifiable information 
is going to be on the internet for forever, right? And we're not just talking about the air quote internet here, right? We're talking about the dark web and offline net as well, which are totally other topics for another day. But you're probably wondering, Aaron, okay, you started talking about data centers, right? And now you're talking about data. And now you're talking about 23andMe. So how does this all coalesce and how do we get back to data centers? Well, data sovereignty essentially is what is going to become the next big thing of uh, the 21st century, right? Data sovereignty. And the reason why that is such a big deal is because data centers are uh, participatory in terms of that data sovereignty. So one of the examples um, that we have had in uh, recent times, and of course this was this was you could say it was science fiction. Um, uh, Westworld had a gigantic data center where. <laughs> under a hydroelectric dam right that was that was you know being uh cooled by the water and then had enough hydroelectric uh electricity right <clears throat> to run uh the data that was you know immutable and was supposed to last for forever right and i may have talked about uh talked about that before or if i've talked with you in person uh you may have uh have heard about um, this idea around data uh, being immutable, meaning the fact that companies like Google, companies like Microsoft, et cetera, right, where you are the, you know, and even Apple to, to that extent, um, uh, they believe and subscribe to a theory called data mortality, which means that everything that you do as a product to them, right, has a shelf life. And they're constantly driving and deriving their algorithms to essentially figure out what is relevant data based on your historical usage of the internet and or the products and services. So... Uh, in that case, right, <clears throat> going back to the data centers, data centers then not only uh, play a part inside of that data sovereignty, but they also play a part in the data mortality. And so where this comes up as an interesting piece is the fact that <clears throat> the biggest the biggest thing right now, if if you have not looked at kind of what the ultra-rich are doing right now, is they are trying to figure out essentially how to live for forever, right? And <clears throat> data, right, especially in data centers, for what it is that they're trying to do is they're trying to copy, essentially, human consciousness. Now, there have been a couple of... Um, great, gosh, what's the word? Um, <laughs> like uh, pop culture references uh, over the years um, that have been, uh, you could say predictive programming, right? In terms of, of the, the consciousness of a human being able to be transferred on a microchip, right? Um, one movie I recently watched 
gosh, I think it was a month or two ago, uh, with Strange Days. And Strange Days was essentially about being able to put on this visor and essentially live out or experience something else that someone uh, had lived through. Now, where that gets interesting is that then trickles into some of the other uh, pop culture references, uh, most notably uh, one being Cyberpunk 2077. Now, if you're not a video gamer and you have no idea what Cyberpunk 2077 is about, the high level is the fact that there is um, a uh, microchip that is in, inside the, the game and the story in which um, is called, they call it an engram, basically, which was a complete one-for-one -one copy of a human consciousness of a person. Uh, and they find this out through mistake because what do they end up doing? Well... <laughs> Like any good malware, right? All you need to do is plug it in the USB drive. So what do they do? They stick the computer chip inside their head, and then that's where the fun begins, right? So then you have the story about uh, someone who had been completely copied in terms of their consciousness then living inside your head, which is fundamentally amazing and scary all at the same time. Um, and then... So going going kind of beyond uh, beyond cyberpunk is then you also have uh, the Netflix series, uh, which was incredible um, when you think about it. And of course, you know, as all good things, right? It was based on a book, um, the show Altered Carbon. And Altered Carbon was essentially what cyberpunk was talking about, which was the fact that then, uh, you had a complete copy of your consciousness basically backed up onto a chip and you could go in between multiple different bodies as long as they were, uh, air quote, compatible, right? Then <clears throat> you, think of, um, you think of that and then you think of uh, inside of the story, right? What did they have inside of the Altered Carbon universe? They had off-site, off-planetary data centers in which they were continuously backing up their consciousness. <laughs> so, so you think about you think about data, right? In terms of a person, whether it's a person living on the street or whether it's you know Bill Gates, right? And the fact that then uh, you now have this entire chasm, right, between all of these data centers. Uh, that are then housing all of this information around, you know, how any and all of this stuff is used. I mean, Bill Gates, for example, right? He has a digital breadcrumb footprint on the internet. He's not immune from it. Hell, you could even say he helped build the digital breadcrumb with the Windows operating system, right? Back in the day, everyone was like, oh, so excited because, you know, there's this UI and you can have you know, these different windows up and do different things and all, all that kind of fun stuff. And it's just, it's funny when you think about that because um, he's not immune from the systems he's built, right? Just like I'm not immune or you're not immune from the systems that have been built essentially uh, to get us into this point where now our data uh, is held captive in a prison 
that we have no idea where it is. So going back to the data center piece and why it matters. Well, uh, we've gotten to the point of, you know, the so what of this, of, you know, kind of this insider, this rant. Uh, and the thing that I have been impressed upon is the fact that everyone needs to really think hard and fast about how they use the internet and how they use free services on the internet. So for example, what are some of the best practices that you could go about doing this? Well, if you want to sign up for a new service, for example, uh, don't go and use your email address that you use for everything, right? Basically go build a burner email address and sign up for anything that you want to try for new. Now, <clears throat> one of the, one of the um, services I use out there uh, for signing up for said services um, is uh, not using Gmail, for example, uh, to be able to go out and, uh, and sign up for uh, new services. I use a service called uh, Proton. Again, not, <clears throat> not, uh, not stumping their, their platform uh, or their product, but just using it as an example. Uh, and it has worked quite well. Essentially, if you're wanting to try out new services, don't use your email address that you give out to friends or coworkers, right? Get go and create a burner email address in order to do that. Now, the funny thing is, is I can already hear the collective groan and moan of being like, oh, Aaron, that's so hard. I don't want to keep track of multiple. Well, <clears throat> so then, you know, you have to think of um, why are you going to sign up for a new service? Right? I mean, why do you need to go try, you know, this newfangled thing that everyone is doing or, you know, uh, why, why does it interest you? Right. <clears throat> so you have to kind of take a, uh, a hard and fast look as to, as to why that is. The second piece of that is in terms of where your data is stored and how it is stored is then if you're not using a password manager in the year 2023, um, you're doing it wrong. Now I'm going to have probably some of the uh, some of the audience out there that will basically say, you know, hey, yeah, I use KeyPass. It's offline. I can sync, sync it between things. Yeah, it's cool. But like for the 95% of the rest of the people out there that don't want to think about it, um, you know, you, you, you need to go look at 1Password or Bitwarden, for example, uh, both of which have um, open audit logs and do encryption end-to-end, -end, right? <clears throat> and so then that way, if you do go sign up for a... Um, uh, temporary, you know, burner email in order to try new things, right? Essentially, you're already set uh, to be able to capture what that username and password is so you don't have to remember it. It's encrypted, of course, by either a hardware security key, uh, which is, you know, could be over some people's heads, or a strong, complex password that only you know. So, um, yeah, so either one of those services is great. Obviously, um, I, I partake in those services. I won't say which one uh, again, but they're just there for an example. And lastly, I think the, the biggest piece of this uh, is understanding what exactly your 
data that you put out there online do you want out online, right? <clears throat> uh, one of the reasons why I gave up uh, social media is because I don't want people uh, yelling at me over the internet over you know an opinion about how you know Democrats or Republicans or Manchester United versus Liverpool or anyone else like that. I don't care about any of that. Like if I'm going to have a conversation with somebody, I'm going to have a conversation with the person, uh, you know, on my own terms and in private. And one of the things that we found, right, is the fact that any type of social media, right, <clears throat> is personally identifiable information or PII, right, of which then algorithms out there are creating profiles about you in those data centers as they're stored, right, in order for them to better understand you and also cater services to you, right? So you're going to be able to um, basically put yourself out there, right, in your opinion, whether it's on Nextdoor, on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, doesn't matter, right? If what you put out there about you is then going to be recorded, and then <clears throat> the consequences of being recorded essentially for time immemorial, meaning that everything that you put out there online, it's going to be online for forever, right? There, there is no going back. Uh, Google does not delete data. Microsoft does not delete data. Apple does not delete data, right? You're going to have everything that you have out there online that you've put out there publicly um, uh, available. I remember... Um, as a personal personal anecdote, um, friend of ours uh, who <laughs> uh, works for a high level alphabet agency, I won't say which one. Uh, remember asking and talking to her um, about social media when uh, we got to see her because, of course, she works you know works on the East Coast for one of the alphabet agencies. And um, I asked her, I said, you know, which, which was a safer platform uh, to use, you know, Google or Twitter, uh, or not Google or Twitter, uh, Facebook or, or Twitter. And um, I, remember, <clears throat> I remember she said, well, I don't use Facebook. And I'm like, hmm. And that's kind of what got me started down the path of, like, really, do I need social media? Do I really, really need to interact with people who I don't know on a platform that, you know, are friends of friends of friends of friends and, you know, talk about my political, religious, ideological beliefs? No, I don't need that. And you know what? I have been, what, off Facebook now for, I feel like it's been eight or nine years, maybe. Has it even been around that long? I don't know. I feel like I haven't been on it in forever. And you know what? It's fantastic. So my goal and to challenge to you is to think about the fact that data centers might be popping up around you. And if they are popping up around you, like they are popping up around me out here in Portland, what are they storing? What are they doing with that data? Who are they selling it to? Who are they storing it for? 
right? So ask yourself some of these questions and then apply it to, well, think about what it is that you do online. Think about how you can protect yourself better, right, in ways uh, in which you can potentially use VPN and an anonymize your uh, web searching, right? It's still not going to help you when you buy stuff off Amazon, right? Or, you know, use the Chick-fil-A app or, you know, um, use your uh, credit card at the gas station, right? None of that stuff's going to protect you. It's all out there, you know. And so all I'm saying is if there's data centers popping up around you, then that means that companies most likely are storing more and more and more data about you. And that's probably not a good thing, all things considered. So thank you for taking a listen. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, this is, again, kind of a, a fun, fun form of therapy for me to get out and talk about things that are uh, passionate to me. Uh, as well as um, things I'm noticing in terms of trends. And it has been uh, an absolute pleasure. And again, until next time. <laughs>